I, I'm in a hurry right now. I gotta get on a plane that's gotta be back at the museum by five o'clock. Stockbroker Michael Cromwell has an appointment in the Amazon. Rana? At a remote Indian village. Oh my god. It's Gilligan's Island. He's not sure what he's doing there. If we get to pick our own names, I'd like to pick a man who's extremely well endowed. Sorry, it's already taken. But he's about to find out. The boy sitting next to the fire over there is your son. That is my son? What am I supposed to do now? Now. The chief has given Mimi the task of bringing fire back from the Statue of Liberty. No, 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 no. So I was researching some Catholic conspiracy theories recently, and my new favorite, like recently, like it hasn't been like all I've been doing for the past two years. And my new, I was gonna say, don't you do that like all the time? Yeah, and my new. Please subscribe to Goths. Yeah, please subscribe to Goths, everyone. Uh, And my new, it's imaxafterlife.substack.com. My new favorite one is apparently the Jesuits uh, sank the Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god how did they do it well so here's the thing so you know as you would expect they were uh, allied with the jewish people to start an evil one world bank to control the world uh, right 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 so, i like so, how i was immediately on board until you said that i was like oh <laughs> so you start with that but they have like major competitors in the banking world in the early 20th century it's the gilded age there are a lot of very rich people around so they mm-hmm. identify three rich people they need to take out and the solution is to again it's three people that need to die. Like, and we talked about this on the last episode. You want to kill three people, you can just shoot them in the head. Yeah, if you're the most powerful organization in the world, which is what this conspiracy theory posits, you can just shoot them in the head. What right. they did was they said, we're going to build the biggest ocean liner in the world. So they built the Titanic first. Oh, the Jesuits built the Titanic. Built the Titanic okay. intending to sink it. You're like, we're going to build the Titanic. We're going to put a plant in the navigator's office uh, so that he'll, like, tell him to keep steering through the ice field and they'll hit the iceberg. It's Cesar Romero. Right. (laughs) The the most elaborate and famous nautical disaster of all time was the simplest solution to we need to get rid of three guys. And they were all played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate yes, Winslet and, and uh, Billy, Billy Zane. Zane. <laughs> yeah. Dogs out to down, trodden and dejected. Crestfallen, grief-stricken and exhausted. Trapped in my room while the house was burning to the motherfucking ground. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Probably Should Have Known Better, a podcast where we celebrate comedy that is aged very poorly. I'm Nadia Vasquez, and I'm joined, as always, by the hilarious, the dad, the Catholic man, the cool dude that we are coming up on a 10-year friendiversary, Tony Ginocchio. Thank you, Nadia. Hey, before we go any further, first of all, thank you for saying that. That's that's all kind. I'm looking forward to our 10-year friendiversary. And let me also say, before we go one step further, Mimi si kusari. No! No! <laughs> Mimi si kusari. This, this one was my pick, and I regret it. <laughs> you know what? I didn't hate it. <laughs> Just, really? You didn't hate it? Because, like... 
I came out of Man of the House thinking like, wow, that movie was really bad. And I came out of this movie going, no, I was wrong. Man of the House is good now. No, I mean, I don't think either of them are that bad. <laughs> I think this this rides the line for me between wholesome and ridiculous in mm-hmm. a very good way. It's not aggressively stupid in the way that things I really love are, like pop star right. and Right, it's Magoober. not intentionally like, we're going to be so stupid we turn the corner and it's smart again. Right, it's yeah. not. No, it's not, not at all. It's not that, not we, that at all. That is not at all what I'm saying about this. But it's it's not that bad. It, I mean, it's not a Shark Tale, like, this is something I would watch again kind of thing. <laughs> but it definitely was like, oh, I see how this is bad. But I was entertained. <laughs> So, folks, uh, of all the movies we've ever watched, this one is unquestionably the one with the highest number of establishing shots of the World Trade Center. Oh, my God. (laughs) I got so sad. It's Jungle 2 Jungle, uh, with the number 2, 1997, directed by John Pasquin, uh, introducing child actor Sam Huntington, who I believe was never heard from again after this movie. No, he's done stuff. He's just, you know... Let's be nice to this poor guy. He's been doing his best. <laughs> as well as Martin Short and uh, David Ogden Stiers. And in the lead role, the only man in history to have both an honorary doctorate from the conservative Hillsdale University mm-hmm. and a conviction for cocaine trafficking. <laughs> it's Tim Allen. Clap, 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 clap. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> um, well, obviously, uh, a major part of the Disney stable of actors in the 90s uh, between the Santa Claus and Toy Story was one of, I can't believe this, the highest grossing stars in like Disney's catalog. Dude, I forgot about the Santa Claus. <laughs> the Santa Claus was one of the highest grossing movies of 1994. Um, I don't know if it was number one, but it was like top three. It was a wow. massive hit. Yeah, I mean, Tim Allen has been a part of our lives. For decades. Decades. For a very long time. Us, specifically our generation, because he started very young when we were maybe like 10 is when Home Improvement came out. Those yeah, of us who yeah. were born we were, in the we late 80s. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable that he's been around so long and has still worked, though, a lot of it behind microphones. Yes. Um, a lot of then, voice acting. He had that series Last Man Standing, which was yes. about a... A brave conservative dad, and it got canceled because nobody watched it. But Jonathan Taylor Thomas was on four episodes that I did watch. I had no context at all, and he was so great in it. Yeah, well, it got canceled. Nobody watched it. The fans brought it back because they were like, you just canceled it because it was conservative. So another network picked it up, uh, and then they canceled it because nobody was watching it. Was it it. the Country Music Channel? No, I I think it was like Fox picked it up. Like, yeah, it was just another network. Um, It had to be Fox. But he, I mean, he was a big part of our lives because Home Improvement was on like four times a day on Mm -hmm. reruns. Um, And TGIF. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Home Improvement was the number one sitcom in the country at various points in the 90s. Tim Allen, like I said, starred in The Santa Claus. Uh, he had a best-selling book, and in fact, one of the inter- one of the fun facts about him is uh, <laughs> that he had the number one New York Times bestseller, the number one movie at the box office, and the number one sitcom on TV all in the same week in 1994 between Santa Claus, Home Improvement, and his book, which wow. is titled Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. Uh, and oh. so... 
I think the uh, other person it- that had that kind of record was Jennifer Lopez when The Wedding Planner came out at the same time as the album that featured Jenny from the Block. Yes. And yes. she she broke a record for that, but not it wasn't on a sitcom. She was too right. big a star. Yes. And I mean, it I mean, it is so weird to me that a guy who who literally like grew up slinging cocaine yeah. was like I'm you know and and did time for it um country boys a, make do man but but the the career that he chose after crime was like I'm going to be a comic <laughs> and specifically a comic about like tools tony tony <laughs> What other industry is as forgiving as the entertainment industry? There's none. There's none. And specifically as stand-up, which is where he made his bones before games. I'm not surprised. Disappointed, of course. (laughs) But surprised? No. So, you know, after riding this high... Um, we get kind of past his career peak. We get into 1997. Still still very much a hot hand. You know, Toy Story is only a year old at this point, and that was, of course, groundbreaking um, for oh, the animation. Oh, this came out after Toy Story? Came out a year after Toy Story. Toy Story oh. was 96. Toy Story is 25 years old. Don't talk to me about this right now. I don't want to get upset. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story is 25 years old. By the way, one of the credited writers on Toy Story, Joss Whedon. Get the fuck out. Yeah, it's nominated for an Oscar for it. Wow. Well, fuck him, but also in yeah, the, no, the, fuck that guy. Uh, but made four, some great though, stuff. We got, <laughs> Toy Story Four, though, we got Rashida Jones as a credited writer. So oh, yeah. right, on. yeah. So we love her. They they replaced Joss Whedon with someone worthy, in my opinion. So I don't even want you to explain the whole plot, Nadia. I just okay. want you to explain how do we get to jungle child arriving in new york because the way we get there in this movie is so fucking complicated it's very complicated and then the rest of it is not uh so (laughs) so tim allen in jungle to jungle plays an evil stockbroker. i say evil because he works for the stock exchange but he um is named michael but we'll call him tim allen i'm tim allen yeah and he's engaged to this shallow and vapid fashion designer so disney was like what are the worst jobs with the worst people fashion (laughs) and stockbrokers and he's getting married to this designer so he needs a divorce from his wife that he hasn't gotten for the last 13 years because i guess he wanted to put that on his taxes i don't know well Uh, it was was because she ran away Yes. In the middle of the night to Venezuela right. to do Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yes. And so he goes to Venezuela to get the divorce paper signed and travels to her village with the Pinare tribe, which is not real in real life. And uh, he discovers that she left while she was pregnant with his son. And he's oh a 13-year-old gosh. boy named Mimi Siku. And he is tasked by the tribal leader to bring back the fire from the Statue of Liberty to complete his coming-of-age ritual because you turn into a man when you're 13 there. And so he brings, Tim Allen brings Mimi Siku back with him to his jungle, New York City, and lots of stuff happens. There's a scary spider. Martin Short makes a deal with the Russian mob, not the Italian mob, so the Italians can take a break. So it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So it's fine. And then Mimi Siku gets horny for the first time with Lily Sobieski in a storyline we didn't need. And <laughs> then Tim Allen learns what it is to be a dad. <laughs> not at all what you expect. Yeah. So... 
so I wasn't a huge fan of this. Uh, I think it was actually uh, horrifying because uh, Sam Huntington, who plays Mimi Siku, and this guy's a kid, like, it's not his fault. Yeah. But is talking in, like, this weird, like, pigeon English patois. He sounds like me doing an impression of Sam in <laughs> Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then tim allen who you know we know primarily from home improvement i would say home improvement and the santa claus are both um movies that rely in large part on physical or works that rely in large part on physical comedy right home improvement mm-hmm. all the tool time sequences you're just watching stuff blow up while tim says more power and Al's like i don't think so tim <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and then the santa claus like a lot of the comedy is seeing tim allen is a big fat guy with a white beard and you know that there's that and this we just get tim allen making wisecracks and he's bad at it yeah, it's. I think because Toy Story, there is a lot of wisecrack and you don't have a lot of Tim Allen doing physical comedy because he's voicing a cartoon. And I, th- I think it works because he's working with Tom Hanks. Yeah, but, and yes. But yeah, in this and he's case, very, uh, he's very deadpan in Toy Story as well. Right, because he's taking it so seriously. He's a right. space ranger. Right. But in this one, he's a stockbroker. He lives in the real world. <laughs> and it, it, um... I don't think it's terrible, unlike Tony. I think he was fine. But the real standout to me in this one was Martin Short. Well, Martin Short obviously is going to elevate whatever material he's given. He Martin Short isn't playing his, like, dumb, idiot role. He is dumb and an idiot, but he's smarter than normal and it's really fun to watch i think he he steals every scene he's in and i think i, I would have watched this if it was martin short in the lead instead yeah, some, of tim allen some very good panicked overreactions from martin short i do think he helps david ogden styers is the russian mobster <laughs> um and david ogden styers is also a big name in the disney uh, stable of actors in the 90s for his voice acting work he was yeah. the voice of cogsworth in beauty and the beast uh and he was the voice of governor radcliffe uh the bad guy in pocahontas oh he's so good in that i wonder yeah. if he won anything for that because that role i remember even as a kid being like i think that's an actor and he's very good <laughs> it was like seven <laughs> um so he is a he is a talented man i would say this is not his finest role no um but uh yeah i would say there were some tough parts to watch in this movie and then there were some parts where i'm like i i agree with you that the 12 year old girl learning that she's horny for the first time (laughs) is a scene it's an unnecessary d plot we could have cut we didn't need that d plot um but I think, you know, it's funny. I don't know if maybe it's because I'm ovulating or something, but I did I did get emotional at the end and cry through the entire second act or the entire second half of the third act. <laughs> it was, I, it really got me. It got there, me. There's a, there, I don't know if you ever watched the TV show, uh, The League. Um I watched the first season. Okay, I think it's the second season, but there's like a joke. So, you know, they they basically all shit on Paul Shear's character throughout right. this, the series, which is hilarious, and Paul Shear is hilarious, of course. Um, but one of the things they make fun of him for is 
he, his character's name is Andre, and they're like, Andre cried during the movie Jumanji. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Juma- to be fair, Jumanji gets you in the feelings. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm telling you, the season is going to be really tough for me to like dig into in a in a similar way that is was so easy with SNL because like <laughs> genuinely, I love wholesome shit, and I just yeah. I can't look at it in an ironic way. I'm just like, this is just really sweet. <laughs> okay, so I'll pull double duty on the irony for both of us. Okay, and then, cool. Uh, but before we do that, do we have any former current events to review, Nadia? I know we've done 1997 a lot. I know that. We did. I covered that in the Chasing Amy episode first. Uh, that was where I like went through you know, the top movies, the top songs, all of that stuff. But I really wanted to revisit our last episode, which was the Man of the House episode, because I missed some information that one of our dear listeners pointed out to me in our Instagram DMs. Uh, my good friend Brita, she messaged me and was like, hey, did you know that the guy who plays the attorney in uh, Man of the House was the son of of Chief Dan George, who was nominated for an Oscar for Little Big Man. Hey, was, all right. I had no idea. So I dug a little deeper. And he, his name is Leonard George. Well, it was. Unfortunately, he has passed away. Uh, he passed away in 2017 after beating throat cancer four times. Oh, wow. And, but uh, ultimately got very sick and passed away. But he was the chief of a First Nation tribe in Canada from 1989 to 2001. So he was the chief while he was shooting Man of the House. Oh, wow. Okay. So what a fucking cool guy. But not only was he an actor, he was also an activist, and he worked really hard to get the First Nations people of Canada, uh, you know, more representation in the government in general. I thought he was the coolest uh, reading up on that. But what I wanted to go into for this episode... (laughs) was what the fuck is going on in Venezuela? (laughs) (laughs) Which is where Tim Allen goes to, where he eventually meets his son, Mimi Suki. Mimi Siku. It's uh, it's, uh, the indigenous language uh, translates to cat piss. Right, 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 right. So (laughs) I looked up the Pinari tribe, which is not real. Okay. But it is based on the indigenous people who do live in Venezuela. So I looked it up and there's honestly not a whole lot of information about it, which is a little bit of a bummer, but it makes sense because they were a colonized people. Yeah. Um, But yeah, probably harder to get on Wikipedia if you're one of, you know, the Pinari tribe. Right. <laughs> well, the Panari tribe doesn't exist, but... Well, even harder then. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the, I did look up just indigenous people of Venezuela, and I looked at other websites besides Wikipedia, Tony, which is okay. making me concerned about the research that you do for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm concerned, uh, but... What I did find was that the indigenous people of Venezuela only make up 2% of the entire Venezuelan population, but the tribes that still currently exist in the Amazon area make up 50% of the entire population. So they are very densely populated in one area. And so I went into like history stuff. Again, super not a lot of it, and a lot of it twinged with Catholicism and Jesuits and uh, the Capuchins, which is fun. Um... So basically, the Spanish conquered the majority of the indigenous people in the 1520s. And and then after the Spanish kind of, you know, killed off most people and then they also died off because they didn't know how to live off the land. The Jesuits came in the 1760s and started building missions 
and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the Capuchins. And I think those all went really well, if I recall correctly. No, 100%. no genocide there. Yeah, None okay, at great. all. No, really, really <laughs> horrible, tragic shit. Um, and then the Capuchins stayed there to further their cause during the War of Independence in the early 1800s. So, like, unfortunately, this area was, like, marred with war and violence and famine and disease. Um, But there was also something called the rubber boom in 1913 because Mm. there were a lot of crude oils and asphalts that were like coming out from that area. And indigenous people were using all of that for medicinal purposes and to like fix their equipment for, you know, sailing and hunting and all that stuff. But but if they're doing that, then white people can't make money off of it. Exactly. So white people (laughs) killed them all. (laughs) Gosh. Really horrible, sad stuff. And I, I... because this movie um, is so shitty about <laughs> how they feel just, like just nothing, just nothing uh, other than these indigenous people are to be laughed at. Yeah, um, Tim Allen makes a lot of jokes about how primitive they are mostly and they come off as very stupid, obviously, because this is from the point of view of Tim Allen. And then at the end of the movie, we see it kind of because his point of view changed. But in general, like, this doesn't do very much for the Venezuelan people who have suffered (laughs) so fucking much. But I did learn in the 1890s, or I'm sorry, the 1900s, in 1989, 1989, there was um, the National Council of Venezuelan Indians was established, and it comprised of over 60 organizations and representatives uh, from 34 indigenous ethnic groups, and they finally were involved in the overall government for the entire okay. country. So that's really okay. cool. They're the so. first Latin American uh, like nation that allowed Native people on the state assembly. Oh, well, that's great. So this movie did accomplish something. It was all Tim is, Allen. Which is great. <laughs> Tim Allen actually contributed something. Yeah. Just kidding. There, no. There, no, he didn't. No, no, no. Um, We're, I mean, we is, love toys. We love the Toy Story movies, folks. We love the Toy Story movies. Uh, Santa Claus, uh, first one's good, I guess. Um, but, I don't think I've seen the second one. But this, I like the- Oh, there's the, three. There's fucking three of them. <laughs> Oh, I do remember the animation of him shaving his beard off and yes. then it growing back immediately. Yes. yes. That was cool. Uh, that, that was, it was really special effects. Of, they've really done a lot with them in the years since. So we open on a white boy in the Venezuelan jungle. Uh, in the Amazon basin. And by the way, folks, the title of the movie, sorry if it's not clear, is about Mimi Siku's journey from the Amazon basin in Venezuela, which is a jungle, to New York City, which many would consider a concrete jungle where dreams are made. Can I and correct so- you with something really quickly? We yes. don't open on a white boy. We open on tribal music and the papyrus font. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the most tribal font you can find <laughs> in the 1990s, right? Yes. Okay, yes, go on. We're like, we're like, we have, we have brown people, but they're, but they're not. It's like we have brown people, not black people, but brown people. It's like, well, then you want papyrus, right? Um, right. That's the same font from the Prince of Egypt poster. <laughs> So we eventually get to, we see Mimi Siku kind of climbing up this mountain in, in the jungle and gets to the top of the mountain. He yells really loud. Uh, and then we go to the other jungle, which is, of course, uh, the trading pit at the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> where uh, tr- The trading pit, by the way, also very dated. There's some dated uh, 
uh, things that you'll see in this film, particularly around, like, air travel. But, like, the, you know, because stock market <laughs> stuff is, like, all, I sound so fucking old when I say this, but, like, the stock market, they do it all on computers now. I was going to say, do they still yell? The, but yeah, there used to be like, and there might be some of this to some extent, probably not right now in a pandemic, but there used to be, and they had this in Chicago at the Merck as well, pits full of people just shoving each other and giving hand signals and yelling to make trades. That was and invented lo- by a man. Because I feel yeah. like a like a lady would be like, this is too loud. <laughs> like you would, you would wear like a garishly colored jacket so that people could see you in the crowd. Um, they, wow. if you've seen, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there's a scene where they go to the Merck in Chicago and watch, watch the traders. I've done that. You can just, there's just a little observation balcony and I would do that as a kid. Does it seem like pandemonium? I've never, I've only yeah. seen it through like, the, you know, film and TV and stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's exactly what it looks like in film and TV. It's just a bunch of dudes yelling all the time in a big pit. Wow. Uh, Did you learn about the garish outfits from like Wolf of Wall Street or something? No, I, I learned there's like, you know, if you go visit it, there's like a little plaque that's like, why are people wearing these jackets and badges? Oh and you would what go down. What color would you wear? I would wear orange, of course. Um, <laughs> you would go down there with like a notepad and you would take notes by hand and you'd like copy down the name on the person's name tag and how much you were selling stuff for and like stuff like that. It's nuts. Wow. Okay. Uh, so See, I know dated. nothing about this. So uh, Tim Allen is doing this, and he specifically is a commodities trader. And the a key plot point in this movie, to the extent this movie can be said to have a plot, is <laughs> he's buying coffee futures. Um, so he's uh, he he just bought a huge amount of uh, stock in coffee, basically because he expects it to go up, and then he. Um, Makes a trade. He goes over to Martin Short, who's his analyst. He's his right-hand man. He's like, Martin Short, I did it. I made a huge purchase of coffee. Martin Short's like, Tim Allen, you're insane. Uh, We can't make that money on coffee. Tim Allen's like, trust me. Now I got to go to Venezuela and divorce my wife. (laughs) It's so jarring. Three minutes in. (laughs) It's so jarring. First of all, you're jarred because you see Martin Short being somewhat serious. Yeah, like he's the, he's like, the straight man in all this to some extent. He gets more extent, neurotic yeah. as it goes on. Yeah, there was like a Tiffany Pollard moment where I'm like Martin Short, and <laughs> it was it was really surprising to see him in this kind of like white collar dude role and being somebody that like succumbs to Tim Allen's like authority. I didn't like it. <laughs> It's hard to imagine anyone succumbing to Tim Allen's authority. The only person who succumbs to, or the only person Marty Short should succumb to authority-wise is Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Because he's he's like extra stupid, you know? He outranks (laughs) him in the Three Amigos hierarchy. But Martin Short obviously outranks Chevy Chase. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That goes without saying. But, uh, yeah, so he goes and takes a bunch of different flights and um, super weird to see... So many airplanes and the World Trade Center in one movie. I know, I know, man. I just there's every fucking establishing shot is of the World Trade Center in this so movie. Sad. But, so uh, bad. So he makes it to Venezuela. He meets an attorney there who is just like in a Hawaiian shirt, basically, and is like, yeah. "Oh, your wife didn't come here. You have to go into the village by a motorboat. Right. Um, like, good luck." <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we get, you know, he's traveling in the boat. Um, 
a lot of like Paul Simon Graceland type music here. Yes, it's like, yes. what, what sounds tribal? <clears throat> um, and then, uh, you know, some jokes about a piranha biting his thumb. Uh, and just a lot of establishing that Tim Allen is an uptight white dude who needs to learn to loosen up a little bit. Yeah, so he gets to the island and immediately costumes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got loincloths on men. Uh, we've got very uh, we got revealing. Necklace, necklaces of bone. We got some of that. Yeah, we got revealing outfits for women, but just enough because this is a Disney movie. <laughs> and um, they act, the indigenous people of that island, act uh, completely clueless and yeah. mostly not very helpful. And so Tim Allen says, I'm looking for a woman. She looks like me, but full figured. And then we cut to the scene where the woman shows up and she's just a skinny white lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah, also that. First of all, how do the tribesmen not immediately go, oh, this guy's looking for the other woman? <laughs> white person that's here <laughs> and also we don't really know like she never says out loud what she does but i'm assuming she's like a doctor she's like a doctor yeah okay. basically or, okay. or a veterinarian i mean she delivers a litter of piglets right at one point right right yeah, yeah. i mean it's all very confusing but what we need we do know very clearly is that he needs a divorce yes um and so he, you know, goes to talk to his wife and she, you know, she is like, that's fine. I'll sign the paperwork. It's whatever. Uh, but while you're here, uh, <laughs> Just, uh FYI. kind of something else you need to know. Just uh, casually. Which is that you have a 13-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> the only other white child on the island. He's yeah, like, also, which one is it? Right. <laughs> um, so... Uh, so he's kind of struck by that news. I don't think he's met the kid yet when he takes out a full desktop computer and CPU with a satellite link um, to try and make this, um, to sell off the coffee futures. Right, for a $300,000 uh, profit. profit. Yeah. See, I, I, I know some things. I listen to the financial feminist. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um so he uh so he like pull and again it's like 1997 it's it's like whatever the step before imax was like that's what <laughs> that's what computer he has set up on the beach and he like is like this is perfect we're gonna make a ton of money and uh do 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 and he like walks away and doesn't fucking hit enter right so like uh or sorry nadia uses a mac doesn't hit return and so wow uh, that was the, unnecessarily hostile <laughs> but okay and so the trade uh unbeknownst to him doesn't go through that'll yeah. become important later and and the battery on the computer more importantly dies dies right so yes. he can't he doesn't know yeah um and not so, before a pop-up shows up of a woman going hello you yes. and then all of the people all of the indigenous people on the island going oh wood smash wood smash um <laughs> and so uh but he does meet his son and that is to the movie's credit before the 15 minute mark yes this is you know the, it goes through everything that it needs to get through pretty quickly which it i did, appreciated it gave itself an awful lot that it needed to get through though. it really did and so the next part is you know he has no computer uh he can't leave because he the boat guy a, left the boat guy left and there is this really big celebration happening the next day so he has to stay and uh we get 
a scene where he hangs out with the bachelors. That's where they all sleep yes. on hammocks, and all they're doing is farting. Yeah. I feel like he- Tim Allen is the one that pitched that idea. Yeah. Like, you know what, guys? would be really funny if they were just farting the whole time. They just fart all the time. And he also probably pitched the line, oh, this guy could make a killing in gas futures. <laughs> and he's like, easy on the fruit, guys. Yeah. It's, it's, very, uh, it's you, very 90s. What do you call this place again? The surface of the sun? This is so, god damn it. It's just... not, it doesn't start off great. But <laughs> the other thing that really bugged me was his son's name is Mimi Siku, and he kept calling him Mitsubishi. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> let's 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 drag as many races into this as we can. It's just like <laughs> throw some Japanese in there, and then and then Mimi Siku, as they start to get to know each other, is teaching him some words in his language, and the word for bird is hoko. And Tim Allen goes, "Oh, hoko is bird. Well, bird who can't sing is hoko ono." I'm like, "What did she do to you, Tim?" <laughs> Listen, it's just all the misogynists that hate Yoko Ono. She was doing nothing. <laughs> You know, she, like, honestly, I've come around on her. Like, let's be nice to her. Yeah, I love Yoko. She's rad. Yeah. But um, the the biggest part of the movie's plot, unfortunately, involves my least favorite thing in the whole wide world, just bugs. Yeah, spiders. <laughs> spiders. There was a big bug on him while he was sleeping uh, that was like a beetle. But then we get introduced to, like, a tarantula. Yes, that's his, uh, that's Mimi Siku's pet tarantula. I actually wrote down the name, uh, Mytika. Yes, and um, I have experienced this on Animal Crossing, that when you pay attention and get too close to the spider and you, like, like antagonize it, it runs after you. So <laughs> in the movie, I was like, don't antagonize it, and he did. He was yelling, and the spider chased him into the water, and then an alligator came out and chased him back onto the land, and he's like, this place is a nightmare. He's such an American. Yeah, he's very American. Uh, so... Um... But Mimi Siku, like, is, is, like, Tim Allen's not trying very hard to get to know Mimi Siku. No, Mimi I mean, Siku, he's there to get divorced. Right. Mimi Siku is trying very hard to get to know Tim Allen, though. Um, yes, he, he says, you stay with me all the time? Yeah, he, he wants to hear more about Tim Allen's village uh, and where he's from, and he wants to learn more about his dad, who he never met, and he's got some questions about the Statue of Liberty. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's a the, necklace that he got from his mom when he was a baby which yes. we later learn tim allen got for her when they were yes. in love hmm. and he calls it a uh, woman who holds fire up sky's butt uh so that one's for the kids and <laughs> uh one thing that did make me laugh was at the ceremony itself when uh the mom explains that mimi siku's name means cat piss which is because people name themselves in this tribe and he was six yes. years old when he named himself. And so Tim Allen's like, you know, I really think that I should be named man who is very well endowed. And she's like, actually, that's taken. <laughs> and it cuts to this guy with the longest loincloth on the island. <laughs> I thought that was so good. In any event. Um, so, it, but what Nadia was just describing was this, uh, this tribal bar mitzvah, basically, mm-hmm. where Mimi Siku is inducted into manhood and he is given the task by his tribal chief i can't believe i'm fucking saying this he's given the task (laughs) by his tribal chief to bring back fire from the statue of liberty now tim allen said in a previous scene hey when you're a man you come out we'll see the statue of liberty together well turns out he's a man that was actually binding (laughs) yeah (laughs) and guess what mimi siku's a man 
he's going to New York. I have two questions. That Yes. One of them is, what is the language that they're speaking if this tribe isn't real? Are they just like coming up with a bunch of different sounds? Yes. And like, who's in charge of that? I don't know. The second question is... They got the guy who wrote Elvish for Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh. They brought him in to write um, okay. the fucking... Uh, fake Pinari Mimi Siku language. Nice. Okay, so Peter Jackson's friend. Got it. Yes. So the second question that I have is the mom explains that in order to become a tribal leader, he has to accomplish a task, go on a quest, right? Yes. Why is Mimi Siku going to be the tribal leader if he's not indigenous to the tribe? Yeah. I don't I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> Sorry. I was really chagrined. I didn't like Sorry, it. Sorry, <laughs> you found the one plot hole in Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was really bad. But, you know, uh... Then Tim Allen is like, you know what? I can't. I'm sorry. I'll, you know, next time I have to leave tomorrow. Like all these yeah. excuses, these different things that people say in America. And the mom is like, look, what you're doing right now is humiliating him in front of his tribe. And like, you got to do this. And there's a moment where we don't know what's going to happen. And we smash cut to New York City, baby. Yeah. So they fly to New York, the other jungle. Um, the concrete jungle where dreams are made. I think I already made that joke. Uh, another another shot of Twin Towers as we're flying oh my in. God. On the Dude, I gotta say, like, Disney really, I think that's why I was so obsessed with New York, but they make New York seem so cool. But I'm realizing that all these movies were just rich people living in New York. Yes. So of course it seemed cool. Yeah, it's it's especially like viewed in the light of today and like who can afford to live in Manhattan today? Not us. No. A, a, a stockbroker who works at the World Trade Center. <laughs> super, super sad. Um, so anyways, he uh, so Tim Allen goes into work the next day and learns that the trade didn't go through. Right. Right. Um, because he didn't he didn't press return. And Martin Short's like, what? You didn't fucking confirm the trade. He doesn't say fucking. It's a PG movie. <laughs> you didn't confirm the trade. You didn't confirm the trade. It didn't go through. And now coffee prices have tanked. Oh, no. So now they're stuck with these absolute dog shit futures. Um, and they get called in by their boss in the World Trade Center. And Tim Allen, like, brings this boy in a loincloth to this... <sighs> office in the financial district and is like hey just wait in the lobby for me right and, and not only does he wait in the lobby him by himself he has his pet tarantula which first of all how did that his little like sleeper darts that he shoots at people and a bow and arrow get through tsa incredible <laughs> list of things that get on airplanes in this movie just, and also he has like no bag right when they get just, off the airplane just incredible list of things. And obviously, for as we've already established, this movie uh, was shot before 9-11 happened. Uh, so that goes without saying. It was a lot, it was a lot easier to... Um, a lot easier to get shit on planes. Um, and so... Uh, so, yeah. So he brought his blow dart gun, he brought a bow and arrow, and he brought a live tarantula. So he lets the tarantula out to stretch all eight of its legs. <laughs> Meanwhile, and I have problems with this scene because Tim Allen and Martin Short are getting chewed, off, chewed out by their boss. Right. And their boss is like... You're on the hook for any loss we take, which is not how it fucking works. No, it's, it's not. But, you know, for kids, I think they think, like, you have to up the stakes, I guess. 
But like, it's like, who cares? You work for you work for a brokerage firm. If you make a bad trade, sometimes that happens. They don't make you do Squid Game if you screw up <laughs> once. I mean, we don't know. They might have screwed. I mean, that's not true because he did say you guys are like my most trusted. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, whatever. Now, I, okay, I still like the movie though. Okay, whatever. But the uh, the point is. Uh, the tarantula gets into the office. Well, yeah, because Mimi Siku is noticing that the his chief, the boss, the boss, is, the chief, yes. is yelling at them, and so he's like, "Okay, cool. Like, I'm gonna go stick stick my tarantula on him because he's gonna kill him because <laughs> he's yelling. The yelling is like the trigger for the tarantula that attra- attracts the tarantula to you. So Tim Allen sees the tarantula coming and distracts it by uh, yelling more. So just a lot of yelling in this scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eventually, the tarantula is put back in its little holder, which is like a bowl, a wicker yeah. bowl. and it's, it's like two little salad bowls uh, facing each other. Just just absolutely sealed <laughs> for your protection. The secure system for keeping a tarantula. Um, and, and Tim Allen, you know, comes out after me. He's like, Mimi Siku, what were you doing? He's like, I sent my Tika to kill Chief. And Tim Allen's like, no, no I wasn't going to kill the Chief. Around here, only postal employees kill Chief. And you know how much I love a good mass shooting joke. Uh, just, <laughs> this is why we need unions. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, that's a little fucked, but, um, but they, they leave. And so basically now we get kind of this plot device, which is not only does Tim Allen have this son that he's showing around New York, but he now has to figure out how to make money off of these. He's got to sell these coffee futures somewhere. Right. So this is the equivalent of Chevy Chase being hounded by the Italian mafia. The Italian mafia. Right. So Chevy Chase has this case he just won. Right. Tim Allen has this trade he has to make. Yes. And we're referencing the Man of the House episode for people who are just starting out with this one. You have to, yeah. you should listen to that if you haven't. You, sh- you should listen to that one because you'll be like, wow, Man of the House, this sounds bad. And then you can listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> also, just listen to our podcast. Thanks for everyone who has yeah, already heard it. Thanks anyway. for listening. Uh, <laughs> ko-fi.com slash probably should if you want to kick us a few bucks offset the cost of hosting the files. Uh, thank you so much. But um, here okay. is where things go even more awry. Oh, Tim <laughs> Allen, you have so many problems and you got 99 problems and a bitch is one. Bitch is one of them. Actually, I would argue the bitch uh, accounts for multiple of those problems. She is just awful and shallow. So his fashion designer woman is also now the star of a documentary series for some reason and uh they never explained that like why is she in a documentary i was not following that at all i feel like they were like maybe we will see the footage later and like see him bonding with his son in the footage but we just didn't have time so they cut it maybe maybe I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm glad they cut something. I they guess. cut something, but there there was like a bleach blonde Spike from Buffy looking guy uh, who was he like lo- he looks like Spike. That's exactly what I wrote down. Yes. <laughs> he looks like Spike. <laughs> he looks like Spike, which uh, just had his first episode just had its 25th anniversary. Just don't oh, talk. Don't happy- fucking talk to me. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Spike. We fu- we fucking love you. One of the best characters on the show. We love you so much. But he, uh, so he he's this documentarian guy and is following her, you know, getting into this big magazine. I think it's L, and uh, getting ready for her wedding to Tim Allen. They're getting married for some reason. Someone loves Tim Allen's character enough to marry him. Uh, so... 
so they're like, she's the subject of a documentary. The documentary guy's like, yeah, all right, we want to get in real time. And he, the documentary guy sounds like me doing an impression of Jamie from Ted Lasso. And he's like, all of our British in. listeners have just turned this off. <laughs> real toy on any conflict, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And um, there's a couple other jokes I uh, read here, which is, uh, I wrote down here, which is like, um, he's teaching Mimi Siku to, to pee because Mimi Siku keeps pissing on, like, the plants oh. uh, or the exit door of the aircraft at one point. And so um, he's like, no, no, Mimi Siku, come in here. You piss in this. Uh, but before you pee, raise the seat. And after you pee, lower the seat. Females and tribes start war over this. Many deaths. Uh, so a little, little put the seat down joke. That's good. The other thing uh, was the the girlfriend, she says to him, you brought back a son. Everyone else who goes to South America just brings back a big bag of coffee. <laughs> da dum So uh, the other thing, uh, there's a dinner party. Uh, uh, th- no, sorry, before we get to the dinner party, the girlfriend tells him, so she's, I would say, understandably upset yes. that Tim Allen has come back with a 13-year-old son. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, like, be understanding that he didn't know, because yeah. there's no internet there. <laughs> but on the other hand... But on the other hand, oh God. I get it. Um, And, like, but she said, there's this line that's really fucked in here, which she says, when we got engaged, we agreed... Oh my God. ...that you would be my child, and I would be your child. Unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like... That, like, whoever wrote this was, like, in the throes of a very toxic relationship. Like. <laughs> and was like, I just gotta get my feelings out. Like, I've been watching a lot of Neon Genesis Evangelion lately, which is a, which is an anime that was on in Japan in, like, 1995. And it's, it's a very not subtle metaphor for, like, being an adolescent and, like, Freud shit, like, trying to impress your dad and having Mm. your sexuality and not understanding it. And, like, it's not very subtle. I'm also watching Squid Game, which is also a metaphor that is, I'm going to say, not very subtle. Not very subtle, but people are not getting what it's actually about (laughs) on the internet. I'm just saying. (laughs) But, guys, like, I'm only three episodes in, but I can tell you right now, the real Squid Game is the friends they made along the way. And so, (laughs) so, uh, what I'm saying is... um, Neon Genesis Evangelion is far less fucked than what Tim Allen's girlfriend just said. In Unbelievable. This movie. But the she is just so awful and they have this woman over who's like the editor of Elle magazine for a dinner and she's like, I don't eat meat, I don't eat dairy, I don't eat root vegetables and all this stuff and like very clearly like annoying right. uh, and then passes out because Mimi Siku is hungry and doesn't know what to eat so he eats cat food he eats cat food well he says he he sees the cat right and he right. says cat fat we eat cat and Tim <laughs> Allen says I'm gonna keep doing the fucking voice and Tim Allen oh, says <laughs> Tim Allen says no no here cat's job is to sleep and lick crotch <sighs> um, so they just told Tim Allen to riff like wow. that was <laughs> Okay, I'm liking this movie less, but... Uh, so, okay, so Mi- Mimi Siku causes this scene at the party by eating cat food. So he's already, like, that's points against him in the girlfriend's mind. Um, well, the and- real points against him are that he exists. Right. <laughs> and she's disrupting her uh, 
timeline of life, which is to get married and to be a very popular designer, I guess. I mean, I don't know. She's like the she's not as um, fleshed out as, say, the villain woman in the parent trap, which I feel like is if if they got rid of the like stock exchange bullshit, that could have been really fun. Sure. But they didn't do that. So Um, different movie. They didn't do that. Anyway, stay tuned for what would you say 95 percent chance we do parent trap before the end of the season oh, i hope so i'll just <laughs> if not i'll just watch that for fun um but uh so anyways so tim allen's like look let's go to sleep we'll wake up tomorrow you know we'll just let him loose in the city i guess and that will be fine <laughs> but then um, we get a wholesome scene and this is where i start to get on board where Mimisiku sets up his hammock because that's how he sleeps in right. their back terrace because they're rich, so they have a terrace. Right. And uh, Tim Allen comes and puts a blanket over him so he doesn't get uh, cold and then kind of takes his little shooter dart thing and shoots himself in the foot and falls asleep. And Mimisiku is awakened by his grunts of pain and then puts a blanket over him while he's hunched over, passed out, and like pats him on the back. And it was a very sweet moment. Yes. So just want to clarify, we've established that Tim Allen can't aim very well with the dart gun. Right. And so that's going to come back. Pay attention, everybody. (laughs) There's a lot of like factors in this plot of like, don't forget this. Yeah. And so a lot of, for many children, this was their first introduction to Chekhov's gun. (laughs) And so. so, Chekhov's dart. Chekhov's dart gun. And so, uh, so anyways, we get to the next morning. We have an iconic scene. Uh, it's also in Little Indian Big City where Mimi Siku uh, murders the downstairs lady's pigeon with a bow and arrow. Honestly, I did laugh at this. So good. Because... The woman downstairs is the neighbor who, like, yeah. clearly is doting over these pigeons, right. screaming. Just, so it's, funny. it is funny funny to me how like just brutal it is and then <laughs> tim allen coming out to the balcony being like oh shit run away <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable really really funny uh then you know he again he's just walking around in the loincloth with the bow and arrow in new york city like in, I, in the middle of fucking midtown <laughs> yeah and then he goes to like washington square park and stuff and i'm just like is nobody gonna stop the child with the weapon right and so, again, this is a pre, pre-9-11 New York. And oh, God. so uh, he's, you know, he's wandering around the city during the day. He sees a fucking, like, Sir Latab or whatever. And, he see, and, you know, in his tribe, giving someone a pot, like a cooking pot, is a sign that you want to fuck them. <laughs> and so... Very delicately sees, put. Thank you. He sees, like, this, this Sir Latab with all these copper pots in the front window. And he's like, oh, girl, what that pot do? <laughs> He's just like he's just bowled over, and so yeah, and so like he does that, um, and then he eventually gets on the ferry to Liberty Island, um, yeah, and climbs up the entire fucking Statue of Liberty. He does. He makes it to the very top because he wants to get the fire, but then he finds out that it's not real. Yeah, he's real. Real bummed out by that. It's very um, upsetting. One thing that we we forgot, we skipped over uh, that we need to remember, another plot point to remember, yeah. is that there is an interaction between the girlfriend and Mimi Siku right after Tim Allen leaves for work uh, where she calls him a savage. Yeah, yeah. Don't like and that. Then, and yeah, don't like that. And Tim Allen 
There's also an interaction that morning where Tim Allen's like, look, Mimi Siku, you explore the city. I got to go to work. And, and Mimi Siku's like, no, stay with me. He's like, no, I'm obligated. And Mimi Siku's like, what means obligated? And Tim <laughs> Allen says, oh, obligated is when you have to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. Right? Okay. So then, then fast forward. Fast Mimi forward Siku's. to Mimi Siku gets taken by a helicopter and the cops because finally yes. someone paid attention to this child. Yeah, there's like, hey, there's a child on the Statue of Liberty's arm. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, he gets taken down, obviously, and Tim Allen's pissed, obviously. Because there was a scene earlier that we forgot to talk about where he, uh, Mimi Siku went out into the ledge of their apartment because he saw the Statue of Liberty. He's like, I need to go there. Like, I'm here on a quest. And Tim Allen's like, I'll take you tomorrow, but don't be climbing on shit. And right. he fucking did it anyway and tim allen was pissed about that and he's like i'm we'll go tomorrow and he's like you keep saying that you're gonna take me tomorrow but you're never going to if i'm gonna want to go i'm just gonna go which is like the way that he does it in his tribe but tim allen's like no 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 your jungle is not the same as my jungle this is a dangerous jungle this is a dangerous jungle and mimi siku's like then why you bring me here and tim allen says i was obligated (gasps) you stepped in it buddy this is where I start to get uh, invested. Yeah, so Mimi Siku runs away into traffic. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just... Actually, you know what I wrote down here? Because, like, Tim Allen's like, you can't you can't run into traffic, you're an adolescent. And Mimi Siku says, you're an adolescent. And I said, oh, wow, who's the real man? Maybe that's a theme. Maybe it's getting deep. Oh. No. <laughs> I mean, yes, but don't give this movie that much credit. We There is a moment where Tim Allen has to say, you know what? He is right. He is a man. He had his bar yes. mitzvah. Yes. Uh, you know, I, but you, here's the thing. We have to, we do have to have you follow some rules so that I'm not worried about you, which right. was, was like a cool dad moment. I yeah, sure. So this could be a moment where the plot really turns and like, as long as Tim Allen doesn't make a grossly racist joke here, mm-hmm. I feel like this scene's going to work out fine. However, uh, what happens is Tim Allen says, look, first thing you should know, if you want to go somewhere in my village, what you need to do is wave your hand out into the street like this. And so Mimi Siku does that and a cab pulls up, right? right. Shows him how to hail a cab. Yeah. And Mimi Siku's like, oh, this is magic. And Tim Allen's like, no, no, magic is if he understands English. Uh, and that's, uh, oh. and, I mean, and the the cab driver is clearly like a Sikh or something, right? He's he's uh, wearing a turban, so it's you know I don't think we needed that line. No, uh, I feel you know we have to remember white people dominated Hollywood. Yes, <laughs> in the 1990s. Yeah, bold use of the past tense there, Nadia. Oh I fuck, like you're right. That. Oh fuck, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get a lot of angry DMs from that one. Uh, but uh, we we move on to. A plot I did not see coming. Yeah, it's time for the mob, folks. <laughs> and not only that, they go to, uh, I'm assuming, the meatpacking district. and The Fulton Fish Market, it's the, called. Oh, uh, okay. And they go there, and they have to know some sort of hand signal, and they learn <laughs> it from a guy who's missing a finger. So the sequence is ring once, knock twice, ring three times. Which is actually pretty easy to remember because it's one, two, three. <laughs> but oh, here's the other thing. They bring Mimi Siku with them. So it's Tim <laughs> Allen, Martin Short, and Mimi Siku. So Martin Short's like, look, I found a buyer for the stocks. And they go to this super shady fucking place. And oh, God. They, you know, they understand right away. It's like, this is this is a front. 
Uh, do they? I think Martin Short doesn't. Okay, well, Tim Allen does. Because Martin Short, for some reason, is the dumb one. Um, yeah, I still so, don't stand by this. So they they go to the door and they're like, what was, is it, it's ring twice, knock once. I'm like, and, and I'm yelling at my computer at this point. I'm like, guys, it's one, two, three. It's one, two, three, guys. Uh, Even the Russian guy on the other side of the door is like, just fucking open the door. Just I mean, he didn't, he didn't say fucking. because Doesn't say fucking PG movie, but um, they go in, it's David Ogden Stiers. Some sort of uh, parody of the Godfather theme is playing in the background. Um <laughs> And and David Ogden Stiers, and again, he's a voice actor, so he does kind of this goofy, over-the-top Russian accent. He's like, yes, it's is good that you have coffee futures, yes. And I know all of you are thinking, wow, Tony's really nailing all of these accents in this episode. You're doing great, bud. I'm really <laughs> and, proud of you. And, uh, and so he basically says, I will buy uh, the coffee futures for a million dollars cash in this briefcase. And it's all in tens. <laughs> Like, what the fuck was the prop department thinking? It's all in tens? Well, I guess I if wish... it's in hundreds, it would be less, you know, so it's less I... impactful. Do you remember the scene in uh, Dodgeball with Ben Stiller? <laughs> He's like, I don't know if you've ever seen $100,000, except maybe in the movies. And, you know, it's just one one band of bills. <laughs> exactly. So I guess the, in this movie, they thought ahead. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... but, you know, fucking Tim Allen's freaking out. He's like, this, this, is, this is not good yeah. we gotta go we're not gonna launder money for the russian mob so he walks and then martin short is like mm. and we don't see what happens but it's very very obviously implied martin short is going to do the deal with the russian mob and the other part of the deal is like the the, the mob lord is like look uh coffee it cannot go below you know 90 cents or whatever 65 cents 65 whatever i remember can't one go, thing <laughs> it can't go below a certain point because then i'm gonna feel like you guys screwed me and if that happens i'm going to cut your fingers off with a knife oh god um and then we don't really so, know if he takes the deal but we know he takes the deal we know he takes the deal um so uh tim allen and mimi siku they go to like central park right yeah because i don't know why but they get a hot dog right and like, Mimi Siku says it tastes like lizard guts, and I like that because I don't like hot dogs. So okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. And and uh, they go to Central Park, and there's some, you know, some buskers, right? And uh, and, and, and Mimi Siku, uh... like, is is nodding and is like, there, there are many different tribes in your village, baboon. Baboon is what he calls his dad. Um, and then they uh, he uh, starts dancing to the buskers, and he gets Tim Allen to dance with him. And how many people looking on do you think were like, those two are fucking each other. What? <laughs> just, what? What movie are you, you watching? Just, you know, I'm just saying, if I saw two, if I saw a man and a younger man dancing to buskers, and one of them was in a suit, and one of them was in a loincloth and carrying a bow and arrow, and they were dancing with each other, I'm like, this is a weird sex thing. <laughs> Oh my god, you need to get off the internet, my friend. I know, man, this, I know. See, you're so wholesome, and I'm not. This and is that's a cry why, for that's help. That's why the show works. That's why the show works. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that I'm wholesome. I, I've been told that people think that I'm, like, um, lawful good on the alignment chart. On the D&D chart, No, yeah. dude, I'm chaotic good. <laughs> like, fuck you. No, I don't see that at all. What did bother me about this scene, though, is that the singer 
is very clearly a black woman, but they cast a white woman to <laughs> lip sync over her voice. Oh, boy. That really bothered me. Not was not a fan of that. But it was a really cute, wholesome moment of them dancing together and Tim Allen, like, loosening up. I did not think yes. it was a sex thing. But like, like I said, I'm... You know, I was I was You're chaotic good. You're I'm chaotic, chaotic good, good, but I I was like really into the idea of them getting along. It was more believable to along. me that, nice. that Tim Allen and Mimi Siku, the actors, were getting along versus Chevy Chase and JTT. Oh sure, yes. So yeah, I was 100%. invested. I was invested. I was like, I, this is believable. The plot yeah. itself, not great, but this is cute. Yeah, Chevy Chase kept saying the N word on set. People are getting uncomfortable. Tim <laughs> Allen is. T- Tim Allen's just like, I think they. I think the corporate tax is too high. Like it's just that's yeah. stupid stuff. He's fiscally conservative, right? So for all we know. Uh, so um, you know they have this nice scene where they bond. Um, they get back to the the penthouse in Manhattan, and and the girlfriend is basically like, "I'm fucking leaving you because I've been terrorized by this spider all day." Yeah, because there's no cell phones. She was trapped in the bathroom because she was yelling, and the spider obviously is attracted to yelling, and so she leaves him while the documentary crew films that. I guess. It's all we got another conflict here, like that sort of thing, and yeah. so. Um, then we get so another heart to heart. Yes. Many, many females in your village, baboon. Why only pick one? <laughs> and Tim Allen explains that when you love someone, it's like you see a big picture of them in your eyes all the time. And you, it makes you not see other women, which doesn't make any sense. But he did bring up the question, which I thought was very wholesome and sweet, which was, why did my mom leave you, basically? Mm-hmm. And... Charlotte had just left and he was like looking at his son and like there was a moment I think that was conveyed where he's like hmm maybe it's me it's like that <laughs> that TikTok it's like is it me am I the drama which is Scarlet Envy from Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race but like I think he's starting to get it yeah but then so so then uh tim allen is like okay well you know what i gotta go make this right with my girlfriend here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have you sleep over at martin short's place just you know they're gonna babysit you for the night (laughs) and i'm gonna make sure like this all gets resolved with my girlfriend i'll make sure the coffee thing gets unloaded we'll take we'll take care of that so he drops off mimi siku at martin short's place and mimi siku like knocks on the door martin short's wife answers she's like mimi siku it's so nice to have you here and here are my kids, here's my son, and here's my daughter. And the daughter, who is, uh, I believe, 12, yep. uh, looks at Mimi Siku and clearly, like, you can see in her eyes, she's like, I don't know what being horny is, but I am the horniest I've ever been. <laughs> yes, and she's played by baby Lily Sobieski, who is great in Never Been Kissed, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's very young and literally wearing pigtails. <laughs> Not my favorite choice. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so that's fucked, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Tim Allen runs into Martin Short at the restaurant. He's like, Martin Short, what are you doing here? I thought you were watching my son. Short's like, yeah, 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 my wife's watching him. I took the deal. I have a briefcase full of a million dollars in cash that I've just been carrying around Manhattan. And now the price of coffee has plummeted, so we're going to die. <laughs> 
Yeah, really bad. And unfortunately, also, things didn't go well with the girlfriend because he did first bribe her with a gold bracelet and then accidentally shot her cat with the blow dart yes. gun. And yes, so- <laughs> he, he tries to shoot the blow dart gun. Also, when he shoots the cat, what does he say? He does the t- he does that home improvement. Oh yeah, he goes. He goes oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at the prop dead like busted cat. So funny. <laughs> the, the way that he was like moving it around was actually very funny. It was the physical comedy of Tim Allen that I do appreciate. But what yeah. I thought was going to happen, which would have been funnier to me he shot it at the gong that he has in his house because of course he has a gong and i thought it was gonna ricochet off the gun the gong and shoot the woman right and then he would have more time to like (laughs) do the things that he needs to do but it didn't he got the cat and that was i i was fine it was really good i would argue the cat is funnier yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't like that (laughs) lady close uh so anyway so so now he's so now tim allen's Got a million dollars of mob money. Oh, they got you something. Intense. Like that. Intense. And coffee's plummeted. Uh, and then uh, Martin Short comes back home where he learns that Mimi Siku has, in fact, murdered and cooked uh, his tropical fish from his aquarium. Well, yeah, I mean, the mom was going to give him frozen fish sticks. I mean, what else was he going to do? It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, so Martin Short's horrified by that. He goes to sleep. And then... Uh, oh, an well, unnecessarily Mimi's, horny scene. Uh, Mimi Siku is setting up his hammock, the daughter who, I don't know if we already covered this, but she's 12. Uh, the daughter comes out to um, be like, you can do whatever you want to me. No, and she doesn't. <laughs> no, she doesn't, Tony. What the fuck? What then, happens is Mimi Siku feels really bad for cooking and eating the very expensive fish. So he goes into the pond that they live by and he goes and catches a bunch of them to to replace those fish he was doing something wholesome you He's son of a bitch <laughs> and then he paints the daughter's face which is what he thinks sex is uh, yeah and, and he then, teaches her how to catch fish Ew. yes <laughs> and then <laughs> and then uh and then she sleeps over in his hammock which is where martin short discovers him or discovers them the next morning <sighs> uh and so martin short is screaming he's like you're going to horny camp uh which is not a camp for being horny it's a camp for getting rid of horny it's like fat camp yeah but if it's an all-girls camp they're gonna experiment they're gonna experiment (laughs) i don't know if you've ever been to an all-girls situation (laughs) martin short but um anyway <laughs> so meanwhile they've sold the coffee futures back to the mob or they bought the coffee futures back from the mob like, we understand the price is soaring we're really sorry we'll just give you all the money back you give us the futures back we'll pretend this never happened they take that deal but then the coffee the uh, price of coffee just shoots up oh, immediately God. After that. so now the mob thinks that they've been had um and so they show up at martin short's house that morning um everybody's there this is the climactic scene mm-hmm. um Martin Short knows that they're coming. He's trying to get everyone out of the house. Um, and eventually what happens is Tim Allen and Mimi Siku are outside the house, right? They were heading back, but they see the mob pull up. The mob has come into Martin Short's house. They have Martin Short tied up and kind of a classic scene in every Disney movie where David Ogden Stiers is about to saw off a man's fingers with a rusty knife in front of his children. 
And this is all after he and Tim Allen like ran off of the balcony trying to Yeah, there's a balcony gag, yeah. Break down the like they're in pain and like the mob puts them in more physical danger, unfortunately. But Tim Allen and Mimi Siku manage to kind of hide out, so they're watching it all happen from the outside. And And they're like, We're gonna fight them using jungle rules. Yeah. So what if we got Chekhov's spider, first of all? Right. Spider comes in. Um, there's some blow darts. Uh, there's bow and arrows in there. But basically, they fight using jungle rules and are able to outsmart the mob. Who have guns. They're, who have who can shoot them. Like, again, like, and again, I'm, I, like, again, it's like, I'm going to cut off your fingers in a slow, painstaking process, giving your friends and the police just enough time <laughs> to show up. It's like, shoot the guy in the fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disney movie just just uh anyways but so unfortunately cla- they actually don't get taken away by the cops they just drive away because they're so afraid of the spider yes and the guy says i have a lot of enemies but none of them scare me like the spider drive drive yeah. so whatever okay what the that's fuck? over <laughs> that's over man um and then, you know, it, it kind of Mimi Siku and Tim Allen reconcile. and, and That's uh, where I cried. The, the fire's in here. That's where you cried? Yeah. It was yeah. really wholesome. Yeah. Because, yeah. because uh, well, first of all, there's a hidden Mickey when uh, Tim Allen goes back to his boss's uh, office. And the boss is like, you're amazing. Because he made him a bunch of money. There's a, a Mickey Mouse notepad on the receptionist's nice. desk. So nice. for you Disney folks out there, I didn't catch the one in Man of the House, but I caught this one. I- I don't think, but I don't think there are like obsessive Disney fans though. So this probably is a non-issue. Oh, so there's no such thing as a Disney adult. <laughs> no, I don't think there. Are Disney okay, okay, adults. cool, 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 cool. cool. Yeah. I gotta make a note. Um, but there was the scene where they, you know, Mimi Seek was like, "I really want to go home. I miss my mom. I also failed because I can't bring back the fire from the Statue of Liberty, which is ultimately the A plot of the fucking movie." I guess. <laughs> and and he's like, "I failed. Like I feel really terrible. I don't belong here." And Tim Allen's actually really happy that he's there and is like, but, you know, like, I can take you back, but you got to come back and have Fourth of July with me and, like, have a life with me. But Mimi Siku says no. And so there's a very somber goodbye scene at the airport. Again, no TSA. So, so yeah, so the airport. So, like, Tim Allen, first of all, can come to the gate. Yeah. Right. And they exchange a blowgun, a bow and arrow, and a cigarette lighter. Which <laughs> is shaped like the bowl. Statue of Liberty. Fire from the statue, baby. And so he, he presses it, and the fire comes up where it's supposed to on the little statue thing. And I cried. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was a very touching moment. And uh, they are both really sad. They don't want to be separated, but they're from two different jungles. Uh, the real jungles are the friends they made along the way. And so the family uh, they made along the way. He, he gives Mimi Siku another gift and he says, Don't open it until you get on the plane. Um, and so uh Mimi Siku gets on the plane, he opens the gift and it's a satellite phone, so they can stay in touch. Aww. That is nice. That is really uh, nice. And he's crying and he's wearing normal people clothes. It's very yeah. uh, it hurts my heart. I don't think it makes up for everything else, but that is no. a nice scene. But also, um, one other question. Aren't you, when you're supposed to be underage, don't you have to travel with an adult? 
I don't know. No, I, I've uh, traveled as a minor before, although I guess I was like 16 or something. I, I don't know what the limits okay. are. And again, a pre-9-11 world. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Of course. And also it's fake. This isn't real. And, yeah. And also <laughs> it's a movie. Somebody wrote it down and they could just put down whatever they wanted in the script. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no, I snorted. No, so. it's, uh, I always forget the movies are real. I was watching Fast and the Furious with my friend and I was just like really worried for the extras that kept getting blown up. And she was yeah. like, this this isn't real. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> It's it's the the when Ian McKellen guest starred on Extras with Ricky Gervais yeah. and he's like, how do I act so well? The secret is, I say the lines that are in the script. <laughs> how did I know what to say? Someone else wrote them down. There was a man who told me where to stand, how to act. Yeah, and then my fucking emo ass is like, I can't believe that they just want to be together, but they can't like. It's not real. Um, so so Mimi Siku flies home. Tim Allen goes back to the trading floor um, to sell off that coffee because the price is skyrocketing. He's going to make a huge amount of money. He ends up uh, blow darting his boss through a huge crowd of people like it's the fucking bullet in Wanted. And then... <laughs> well, it's because Mimi Siku says that once he finally kills a fly, because his aim is so bad, that he is a Piari. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Panari, yes, Panari. yes. Yeah, he was killing a fly, that's right. That's why he was trying to, um, that's why he was using the blow dart before, that's how he shot his foot, how he shot the cat, he was trying to kill a fly every time. Yeah, and this time he did, but it was on his boss's back, which was like, you know, I was into that. Fuck the capitalists, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then we get kind of this final scene, which is back on the island, and Mimi Siku gets a phone call <gasps> on the satellite phone. Oh my god. He's like, Baboon, it is you! Oh. And, uh... <laughs> but okay but the voice is in the fucking movie right like that's the point it's like every time you think it's sweet you hear that voice (laughs) and and so tim allen is like hey i got a fly and mimi seagull's like no you did it he's like i did i swear i'll show you and he's like when heartbreaking and then he says turn around how about right the fuck now (laughs) my emo ass was crying (laughs) so uh i can't believe you fucking cried at this movie and so i told you i'm ovulating uh, tony i can't control it tim allen surprises him on uh the beach right he shows up he's like hey i came here uh with the flying you know i figured i uh figured i need a little break from my job so i'm gonna hang out with you for a while um and uh you know and that ends up being like the freeze frame is tim allen like he's like holding a pot at some point and his ex-wife sees him as like why are you holding the pot you want to fuck me or something and tim allen's like i don't know and the freeze frame is on that shrug yeah but Um, also you forgot the most important fucking part is it the credit sequence no it's that mimi siku asks how lili sobieski is doing and he's like i don't know why don't you ask her and we cut to the martin short family on a boat on their way over and she sees him on the shore and is like mimi siku and he gives her her name which is akume and he's like akume akume and then they run towards each other and meet in the ocean and like hug but it's very charged It's very, very erotically charged, and I don't like it. Yeah, so... But, so, like, uh, the tears stopped immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, the credit sequence is Tim Allen, during the credits, uh, gets his tribal bar mitzvah. So we see uh. him in a loincloth and 
bone necklace and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and he has to do the same, like, put his hand on a... On the burning on torch, a, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and then I thought... An interesting way to end the movie is to have all of the white people who starred in it come to this island and co-opt their traditions. And guess what, folks? They did. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, then we get the credits in papyrus font, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, nobody uh, minds nostalgia uh, for the past like Disney, and nobody makes sequels quite like Disney. So, Nadia, I would like to do another installment of Are There Sequels, if we can. Uh, I want to say for this one, yes, and it's called Jungle for Jungle. So, really good guess. Uh, there was not a sequel to this movie. Um, because it did not do well at all at the box oh. office. And, ev- and every reviewer fucking hated it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, in fact, Siskel and Ebert called it the worst film of 1997. Wow, and Chasing <laughs> Amy came out that year. Chasing Amy was good for the first 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Then it became very bad. Um, so, uh, so Jungle to Jungle, no sequels. Okay, next one. Uh, more recent film, so you actually, uh, I just want to ask you if they have greenlit a sequel yet, and that is the Disney animated film Zootopia. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that prob- Yeah, that was huge, so I-, I bet that'll get a sequel. You know, what's crazy is it actually hasn't been greenlit yet. Oh. Um, the directors gave a few interviews where were like, yeah, we have some ideas, but um, it hasn't been greenlit yet, which I think is surprising because that movie did gross over a billion dollars. I bet that um, it's because the internet, the specifically the furry corner of the internet, really loves that movie. And I feel like it's getting harder and harder to explain why there needs think- to be more Zootopia. I think there's some Rule 34 shit about the bunny policewoman out there that I don't want to see. What's Rule 34? Rule, rule 34, it's a stupid Reddit thing, but it's like, oh, basically... I'm a if, Tumblr girl. I'm a Tumblrina. I don't the, know what that is. So Rule 34 is if it, it, there's basically porn exists of every single cultural artifact that's out there. Right. Um, the Little so Mermaid. Or not made, the Little Mermaid. The My Little Pony I've seen that's right, so right. disturbing. Somebody's made Zootopia porn. Somebody's made, you know, whatever whatever wholesome thing you can think of, there is a porn parody of. Ew. Tony, um, do you think maybe you thought that the little boy in the loincloth and the man in the suit with the sex thing is because you're on Reddit too much? I mean, I'm not going to rule that out. Um, <laughs> At least you're not on 4chan, dude. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, thank goodness. Um, so uh, the third and final uh, uh, question for are there sequels? Okay. Uh, this is a Marvel property, and that is uh, obviously uh, the movie that based its accents on Jungle to Jungle, <laughs> and that's Black Panther. Oh, there is a sequel, and I think the girl who plays uh, the Black Panther's <laughs> sister is an anti-vaxxer? Why, I'm so glad you brought that up, Nadia. That's exactly why I put it in uh, this week's episode. So, uh, because uh, Chadwick Boseman is up in heaven. uh, May he rest in peace. Rest in peace. So, there is more emphasis on Letitia Wright in this movie. um, And they're shooting the movie right now. um, And Letitia Wright plays his sister in the first movie, who's like the tech uh, expert in Wakanda. Um, so she's kind of more the star of Black Panther 2. Uh, I believe it's called Black Panther Wakanda Forever mm-hmm. uh, is what the title is going to be. But it is a problem that she's the star because it turns out, that, like you said, Nadia, her her favorite thing to do, just her favorite thing to do, is to tell people not to get vaccinated. 
Oh, man. Like, like she's on set, like, handing out fucking brochures. Are you serious? Uh, I didn't think yeah. it was like that. I thought she was just talking yeah. about it. It's it's fucked up. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, and this yeah. came out, I want to say it was, it was either Variety or Hollywood Reporter. Basically, they were doing a, they were interviewing actors about vaccine mandates, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, the best response came from Giancarlo Esposito of Breaking Bad and, uh, Better Call Saul and a few other things, who is like, hey, if you're not going to get vaccinated, go move to a deserted island and don't risk the rest of our health. Yeah. Um, which is uh, great, and it's even greater when you imagine him saying it as Gus from Breaking Bad. Or as that but, guy from The Mandalorian. Yes. And so, <laughs> um, uh, but like, yeah, but then other people are like, hey, Letitia Wright uh, is like a super anti-vaxxer and we don't know what to do on set at Black Panther. Oh my gosh, that's so horrifying. I mean, does she yeah. get tested? I don't know how this is all working. So I don't, yeah, and I don't know. And and I believe like, basically like it's all in negotiations with SAG-AFTRA, right? In terms of like figuring out vaccine <clears throat> mandates and stuff like that. Yeah. But um but uh, I would say she is going to come down on the anti-vaccine man- mandate side. So uh, that sucks uh, because uh, Letitia Wright, I thought, had the funniest line in the first Black Panther, which was when she did the what are those joke yes. to Black Panther. Yes, <laughs> and, but you know, uh, I would like and- to say that... In reality, it was the Vine star who created that joke, who is That's a true. true comedic mastermind. So rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace, Vine. Uh, are there any uh, comments <laughs> from our friends at commonsensemedia.com? Tony, we finally one? have a Common Sense Media <laughs> review. It's been really tough the last few selections, even in our Saturday Night Live episodes. Uh there's not a lot of people on Common Sense Media with more modern things. So I was like, or even like 90s. So I was like, okay. Yeah, nobody watched I'm... Stuart Saves His Family. As nobody watched out. Man of the House either, except for the uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Christina Milian movie, which <laughs> I was reading those reviews and that was not the correct movie. Irrelevant. But I did find some and they were amazing. We got five star reviews from kids unbelievable and one lukewarm one that i really loved that i have to read so this is a five-star review from a 17 year old she says this movie will save your life i enjoy tim allen's movie and sorry is- sorry wait no save your life this i'm reading it i'm quoting it quoteth <laughs> the 17 year old this movie will save your life i enjoy tim allen's movies and this is the perfect movie for everyone who enjoys him everybody does and you know it that's in all caps tim is just such a great guy and all his characters are unforgettable jungle to jungle will have you on the edge of your seat it should have been nominated for an oscar because it was the most heartwarming film it makes you cry because of how great it is in conclusion I really love Tim Allen, and if you love him too, all caps, I know you do, you will watch this movie every day, just like me. I'm trying to think of, like, how I would describe Tim Allen and how many things I would say before a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) Because by all accounts, he's like, and he's not, like, canceled or anything. He hasn't committed any crimes. He's just kind, he's just, like, generally kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, but the the best part about it... Oh, I say he hasn't committed any crimes. He obviously has committed crimes. He hasn't committed any (laughs) recent crimes. He did, like, several years for cocaine trafficking. Right. I just want to say that that review is from 2017. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this child is 17, so they probably don't know about the cocaine and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this next one is from a 13-year-old, another five-star review. They quoteth, sometimes you find really nice things at resale shops. That's the subject. Oh, okay. This is a really great movie. Common Sense Media, why do you have to put down a lot of good stuff? I really think anyone above seven will love it. Those younger than seven may or may not enjoy it. I don't know. I guess it depends (laughs) on the kid. Anyway... I love I love putting in the age cutout cutoff and then being like, or that could just be completely pulled out of my ass. Who knows? They're 13. Anyway, I love, love, love Tim Allen. Here's the story of how I got into this movie. And now we're in like a Zanga blog, okay? Oh boy. I loved and still love Toy Story. All caps. All three. When I figured out that Buzz and Jesse were romantic, Buzz Lightyear became my second favorite Toy Story character. One day, I was at Savers, and I was in the aisle, and it's spelled I-S-L-E, with all, oh, with all of the videotapes. The very first thing I saw in big letters was Tim Allen. I thought, wow, it seriously says that. Then, <laughs> then I saw the Disney logo. So I ran up to my parents, and I jumped for joy and said, buy it. Hate this kid. They couldn't say no to my cute little 12-year-old face. The next day, I got up at 5 a.m. and I watched it. I loved it. And guess what? I was able to love the movie even with the P word. Piss. (laughs) I actually love... Really? (laughs) I'm continuing on. I actually love scatological humor most of the time. So it was more than okay that there was scatological humor in there. Anyway, this is a good movie. You should watch. (laughs) God, okay. God, these are starting to bum me out. <laughs> I had to look up what scatological meant. Yeah, it's poop related. <laughs> of or having to do with poop. I lost my mind. Okay, okay, there's one more. This is an 11-year-old. They're more lukewarm. They only gave it three okay. stars. They're closer to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. An okay movie. The thing that really bothered me about this movie was the tarantula. (laughs) Fair. Some girls really hate spiders and just hate seeing them. Also, I am positive it was kind of a funny movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I like that. (laughs) That just sounds like our podcast. We are positive. It was kind of funny. (laughs) It is kind of funny. Yeah, just... I am so okay, grateful for those. Good. I'm so grateful for those. Thank you. Like, if listeners, if you haven't put up a review on Common Sense Media, what are you doing? Like, have you they, even lived? Th- like, it's, it's the Wikipedia of reviews. I love it so much. I feel like if if we continue not to find any, I'm gonna go on Rotten Tomatoes and just read the audience reviews and see what happens. Yeah. Or yeah, Letterbox. We'll yeah, Letterbox is good. There's some funny ones on Letterbox. I just love Common Sense Media because of its whole purpose of like, we want to inform families if this is good or not. And that's, I think, a perfectly fine reason to have a website. It's just the way that it sometimes hilariously backfires. Yeah, because like, they let 12 year olds write reviews. <laughs> We're never, we're never gonna fucking top the review of Ted. Where it's like, <laughs> I felt bad when they made jokes about Lou Gehrig's disease because my husband has Lou Gehrig's disease. 
I don't know how much of the silence you cut out because we were laughing so hard. We were making we're, no we noise. We laughed really hard at that. I think I left it all in. <laughs> I think it was like 10 minutes. Of yeah, go go back and listen to the Ted episode, guys. That's a fun one. Not the movie. The movie sucks. <laughs> yeah, no. But but... The episode is fun. <laughs> but as for this one, Nadia, like, I mean, clearly you enjoyed this more than I did. Yeah. Um, I did not love this one. I like Man of the House um, more. Yeah, Man of the House is definitely the stronger of the two. Yes. And um, I'm excited because I feel like we've got a lot of the worst out of the way. Yeah, we say that now, but... I like, know, I'm, I'm thinking about our next pick, which I'm really excited about. But you're right. I think I might yeah. be speaking too soon. Yeah, you say that now, but who the fuck knows? <laughs> uh, in the meantime, folks, uh, you can uh, keep up with us on social media. We are probably shoulda at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also now have a Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash probably should a site where you can support the show uh, by tipping us one time. We don't even ask you to subscribe. It's just a nice thing you can do if you're cool. Uh, but uh, we will be back next week with another episode. See you then. I wish I knew the Mi- Mimi Suko's way of saying goodbye. But <laughs> so I'll just say it how I say it. Bye. Baby, I'm in New York.